They're railing on you. And it goes even further and it gets worse than that, and it's someone attacking your character. They're seeking to destroy your reputation. That's what the psalmist is dealing with here in Psalm 119, verses 41 through 48. Either someone's taunting him due to his belief in God, or just taunting him for another reason. We're not told, but we get the setting of this section, and that's that the psalmist is being attacked viciously. Someone, someone's out to get him. Maybe they're gossiping behind his back, or maybe they're just saying it right to his face. And the reality is, as we think about this setting, as we think about this situation, this is not unique to the psalmist. This is not just something that he's dealing with, people insulting him, but I think many of us here today could relate with the psalmist, that these are the types of things that we might be dealing with right here, right now, or have dealt with in the past, or certainly will probably deal with in the future. And we see that this section is so relevant to us. We see how the Bible speaks to our specific situations. As I said, we go through this type of thing, people talking bad on us, maybe people who are jealous of us. They seek to make lies up about us to destroy our reputation. People who just say hideous things to us that just shouldn't be said. And it's not just to our face, but often it's behind our backs or we catch wind of it, or maybe it's over social media, on Facebook or Instagram, or maybe some other internet platform, these insults abound in our relationships. If you haven't experienced it, as I said, you most likely will. And this isn't just from unbelievers, maybe who we'd expect it from, but these types of hurtful comments come from people within the church doors. They come from people who are our fellow believers. And maybe we could say this as we think about the person who taunts. If you're someone who's attacked someone this way, maybe you said belittling things to someone or hurt them trying to make, trying to make them feel small, this should be convicting to you. Something you repent of if you've been gossiping about someone, spreading things that either should be kept confidential or are made up, this should be a challenge for you to stop. Repent. Seek to love your brother and sister in Christ with your words. This is far from how we're told to treat our brother and sister, and yet we often do it. But back to the person who's dealing with this situation, okay? That's what the psalmist is dealing with right here, right now, and that's the focus of our passage, the one who's dealing with these types of insults, these types of hurtful comments. This is the setting, and this is the situation or the circumstance the psalmist is dealing with right here in his life as he writes these words. So Psalm 119, as we think about the setting, verses 41 through 48, we could say this passage is for the one who's being attacked by someone else. And as we think about this setting, we might even ask, what should the psalmist do in this situation? Maybe I'll ask us, what do you usually do when people are attacking you? They're talking bad on you. You catch wind of maybe some gossip that's going around about you. This has the capability to ruin your reputation. What do you do in that situation? I think we could say first off that we definitely feel something. Either you're deeply saddened or you're furious at the injustice of what this person is saying. Maybe just confusion. You feel confusion or you're confused. Not understanding why why the person would come at you like this. But as you think further about your response Maybe we could ask, do you lash out at the person and do the same exact thing to them? 
Maybe do you run to your spouse and talk with them or a trusted friend who you think might be able to help? As we think about responses, we find the psalmist, in his struggle with this other person, he runs to God in his word. And that's an important point to make, or an important point to see here as we go into our text, that we see how the psalmist responds in the struggle. Not after the struggle's over, but in the struggle. He doesn't wait for God to deliver him. He doesn't wait for the person to apologize, but it's as the person persists. And as the person continues to attack, the psalmist runs to God, and he runs to his word. So we find what this section has to do with the word of God. And that is that the psalmist presents a trust in God's word as he deals with his attacker. We see how that trust causes him to relate to God's word in other ways. So that will be our theme. That's going to be our main point that will carry through this psalm or this section of Psalm 119. And that's that the psalmist presents a trust in God's word as he deals with his attacker. We're going to see how that trust causes him to relate to God's word in other ways. Our key verses are the first two verses, one we already read, but we'll read them again. If you look with me at Psalm 119, verses 41 through 42, those are the key verses, or they kind of set the agenda for the rest of this section. Verse 41 says, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. So we've already looked at one of these key verses as we got the setting for our passage. We saw the psalmist is being attacked with words by someone else. Someone's insulting him, saying hurtful things to him, some, some things that might be able to ruin his reputation. But we also see these key verses make it abundantly clear how the psalmist responds. Twice the psalmist's trust is made known to us. The first instance is in verse 41, if you look with me there. It says, let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. So all of first, verse 41 shows us this trust. It shows us this reliance upon God and his word through the psalmist's struggle. You see that the psalmist prays that God would do what he said he would do in his word. Here in verse 41, the word promise is literally the word or word, or in this context, God's word. As he's talking about talking to God in his prayer. He's talking about your word. Do what your word, your promise has said. So the psalmist, he goes back to the scriptures. He sees how God has said that he would act. He sees how God has promised to treat his people. And he trusts what the word says. He trusts what God has promised. And he asks God to do exactly that as he's taunted, as he's attacked. And specifically, as we think about what he asks or what, he got, what God has promised and what he calls God to do, we see the psalmist is asking that God shows his mercy. If you look again at verse 41, he says, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord. So he's asking for his mercy to be shown to him, but he's also asking for deliverance. As he says there, your salvation. He wants to be delivered from this trial. The psalmist is asking God to show his love, to show his care, to show his provision for him in this situation he's going through. Further, he asks just simply to be delivered from this trial. That's his request, and he finds it in God's word. 
as God's character is talked about, as maybe stories about God are, and what God has done are talked about, he trusts that God will accomplish what he says he will do. So the psalmist is saying in verse 41, God, you have promised you would show me mercy, or you would show mercy. Please show it to me now. In verse 41, he's saying, God, you said you would deliver. Please bring deliverance right here in my struggle. So we see the psalmist is looking to the scriptures and seeing what God has said, and he's bringing it into his present situation. The psalmist is seeing what is said about God and what God has said about himself in his word. He's calling God to act that way as he's insulted, as he's torn down by this person. We see the psalmist looks to God and his word in his suffering. And we see the word of God is useful. If you look at verse 42, it says, Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Then shall I have an answer. So verse 41 shows that the word can teach us what to ask God, to know what God can provide for us. But we ultimately see in verse 42 that it can provide the answer. He'll know how to respond because of the word of God. We see the key or the key we see here with the psalmist is, to, is that he knew God's word. He had to know God's word. He had to have read God's word to be able to do this. As verse 41 says, Let your steadfast love come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your promise. So the point I want to make here is that he knew what God had promised. He knew what was in God's word. This is a very easily missed point, but it's significant. To do what the psalmist did he had to have read God's word. He had to have been taught God's word so that he would know what God had promised. The psalmist shows he knows what had been promised in the word as he asks for these things. How would he have known about God's word if he hadn't read it himself or hadn't been taught it? So the application for us as we begin this passage is this verse should be a motivator for you to be in the word, both by reading it for yourself, studying it, memorizing it, meditating upon it, also listening to it as it's preached, as it's taught here in church. We need to know the Word of God so that it can actually make an impact on our lives. So certainly God brings it to mind. God helps us apply it. But we have a part in this as well so that we can bring it into our struggles. The Word of God, as we see from this passage, speaks into our suffering. It teaches us about God and how he provides for us and cares for us when we go through hardship. We need to be looking to the word first when we have someone attacking us. We need to go to the word and read it. We need to know the word so that we can rely on what God has promised. So that's the first instance that we see the psalmist trusts. He has a trust in what God has promised, that God will do what he said he would do. The second instance of his trust it's said very plain for us to see in verse 42, if you look with me there. It says, Then shall I have an answer for him who taunts me, for I trust in your word. Look at how clearly and plainly the psalmist says it at the end of verse 42. For I trust in your word. In verse 41, he actively shows his trust in God's word by calling him, calling God to do what he said he would do. Now he declares it. He says, I trust in your word. I find it reliable. I find it dependable. God's word is something he can put his faith in. If God has said he would do it, he believes that God will definitely do it. He 
He has confidence in it to help him through his relational struggles. So twice in these first two verses, we find the psalmist has confidence in the Word of God to see him through his struggles. He trusts in the Word of God as he's taunted. Now for the rest of the verses. For the remaining verses in this section, we come to the latter half of our theme. And we see how this trust impacts how the psalmist relates to the Word of God. We find seven ways that the psalmist lists that show how he intends on relating to the Word and his suffering because of his trust in it. So the first way. First, the psalmist's trust through this trial causes him to ask God to help him to speak God's Word. If you look with me at verse 43. Psalm 119, verse 43 says, And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for my hope is in your rules. So here the psalmist shows us his weakness, that he knows that he could fall to the pressures and the temptations to not speak as he should, to not defend God and his relationship with him as he should. And this is a little bit of a difficult verse to understand, so I'd like to just quote Matthew Henry in his commentary. I think he summarizes what the psalmist is trying to get across here. He says this, He means, Lord, let the word of truth be always in my mouth. Let me have the wisdom and courage which are necessary to enable me both to use my knowledge for the instruction of others and like the good householder to bring out my treasury, things new and old, and to make profession of my faith whenever I am called to it. We have need to pray to God that we may never be afraid or ashamed to own his truths and ways nor deny him before men. I think that's well said in explaining that the psalmist he wants to speak the word of God. He doesn't want to be ashamed of it or embarrassed of it as he goes through this trial or this suffering. So this verse kind of makes us maybe start to grasp what the psalmist is dealing with. And it seems like he quite possibly could be dealing with someone who's attacking him due to his belief in God. The psalmist wants to uphold this belief, to stand firm in his faith. We all, I think, know how difficult this can be. And I think of, I think of a boy I dealt with in high school in one of my classes uh, that just couldn't believe the way that I was living because of my belief in God. And, and oftentimes he would question maybe the choices I made or he would ridicule some of the decisions I'd make. He'd kind of poke me, he'd prod me and say, why do you do this? Why do you do that? And oftentimes I would have to, I'd share. And the reason he'd ask is he knew of my belief and God, and, and there certainly was times that I was tempted not to, to speak, and sometimes I wouldn't, and I wouldn't defend my faith. And we see here the psalmist is asking God that he would stay true to the word, that he would defend his belief, or just be willing to own his belief in God in, in verse 43. So look again at verse 43, and I want to look at the, the last line of verse 43, and we see the reason that the psalmist gives for asking this. He says, for my hope is in your rules. For my hope is in your rules. He's literally, he literally is speaking of waiting for God to do what he has said he would do. He's speaking of what he called God to do in verse 41, to come through on his promises of delivering him. He's saying, God, provide me the words. Help me to speak your words as I wait for you to, to deliver me from this situation. 
We see the psalmist as an example of patience here. To realize that, that if someone's attacking you, they're destroying your character. You might, want to end, you might want it to end quick. You might, maybe you think it should. Even you might not know if you and your reputation could survive if it persists. But the fact is, and the psalmist exemplifies this, that we must be patient. We must wait and trust God's timing for him to deliver us. As we wait, we see here we must ask that we remain faithful to him and his word. Here we see he asks that he would remain faithful in speaking his word. We see in the next section that his desire is to remain faithful in obedience, living out the word of God and his actions. So we see second, the psalmist's trust through this trial causes him to declare that he will remain faithful to the word all his life. If you look with me at verse 44, it says, I will keep your law continually forever and ever. So this is a neat verse, and I think it's, it's really an amazing verse for several reasons. The first is because the psalmist doesn't wait for God to answer and tell him that his suffering will end. He doesn't wait for it to end, but he declares that he will obey God's word no matter what. He will obey no matter if this suffering persists and doesn't let up for a long time. And that's where we see the second reason this is just such an amazing verse and that's because of the duration that he says he will obey God's word. The first word he uses is he says, he uses the word continually. As he says, I will keep your law continually. Speaking of something that he does regularly, consistently, something that will be a constant practice of his. It isn't just when things are good that it will obey, but as this section of Psalm 119 shows, it's even when things are bad that he will obey and be faithful to God. It's not just in certain places when he's with other followers of God or when he's worshiping, when he's in public, but it's in all places. It's continually. He will obey with all people. In private, when he's at work and going about his daily life, he will live a life of obedience. Is what he means by saying he will keep the law continually. I think that should be a challenge to us as we think about how this applies to us daily, moment by moment, at work, at school, with our family, even in our private life, when we're literally the only one around in a room. Kids, when your parents aren't around. Maybe husbands, wives, it's when your spouse isn't around. It's in every area and avenue of life that we should be keeping the word of God. Not only in church, not only when we're with other Christians, but we should make it our practice that we are striving to obey the word of God at all times, in all places, with all people, in every situation, every circumstance. And I'll ask you, can you say that for your life? Or are you being sneaky or being two-faced, living one life in front of Christians and another life when they aren't around? We are to keep God's word continually. And here specifically, we should be challenged to keep it continually as we meet suffering daily. As people ridicule you, we should be seeking to obey God's word. Not giving in to the temptation to do the same thing back to them. Or say to God, you and your word have done nothing for me, so I'm done. But we are to obey God's word continually. 
But the psalmist says this another way as we think about the duration that he will obey the word of God. We see that he says it in that phrase forever and ever. He says, I will keep your law continually forever and ever. This is an amazing commitment. He's saying he wants to obey the word of God all his life, the rest of his life, when he's young and when he's old. He has his whole life in view when he says this. He's saying that one thing he wants to do his whole life is to be faithful to the word of God. What a commitment. A lifelong commitment. Now ask us, is this our desire? Are you willing and ready to make such a commitment to be faithful all your days, the rest of your life? This doesn't mean perfection. I don't think the psalmist thinks that he is going to never sin the rest of his life. He's talking about what he's striving for. He is going to strive to do this the rest of his life. This is his aim. This is his goal. I think of a man I used to talk with who has now um, died. But often when I'd visit him, his prayer request to me was that he would remain faithful the rest of his life. He was nearing death, and yet his desire and focus was to continue to follow the word of God with all the days that remained. That, as he shared that request, that was, a, that was quite the example for me. So application, start with the teens. Teens, as you think about time frames, you might think, okay, I'll follow the word of God for now as long as I'm with my parents, living with my parents. When I go off to college or get my own place, I'm done with that stuff. Maybe we think of parents. You think that you will live for the Lord while you have kids. Come to church and be involved just as long as you have kids. But we are challenged from this passage. We are to live lives of obedience for the long haul. All the days of our life. We are to keep the word of God all the days of our lives, not just when we're young, not just when we're old, not just when we have kids, or kids living in our house, but every day of our life, every single phase of our life, all of our lives, we should be striving to obey the word of God. And then again, specifically to the setting of this psalm, we should be challenged to follow God's word for the long haul. The suffering we're dealing with continues for the long haul. So I said this is an amazing verse as it presents to us, not an ultimatum. We might have expected the psalmist to say, I'll only obey if you take away this trial. But we see he will obey the word of God all the days of his life, despite it. I'll ask us, will you make this your aim too? Move on third, the psalmist trust through this trial causes him to speak of the results of his desire for the word of God. If you look with me at verse 45, Psalm 119, verse 45 says, And I shall walk in a wide place, for I have sought your precepts. So we see the psalmist says that he walks in a wide place, or because he seeks God's word. So we'll begin with the reasoning. He says, For I have sought your precepts. We see the psalmist speaks of how he desires God's word. He seeks to know to be acquainted with the Word of God. He seeks to follow and obey the Word. He seeks to mold his life around the Word of God. I think it's interesting, an interesting thing for us to think about. Do we read God's Word? Do we follow God's Word willingly? He seeks after it. He chooses to do so. 
Do we view it as a privilege? Something you actually want to do? Or is it a drag? Something you feel you must do, but you don't really want to do it? Something you feel obligated to do, or your parents would be mad, or people would look down on you? Or do you actually seek and want to know and follow the Word of God? But then we see the result in the first line of this seeking, and that's that he walks in a wide place, as it says, and I shall walk in a wide place. And this phrase, a wide place, is a little foreign to us. But the idea here is that he would walk freely. He would walk at liberty. Not that he can do whatever he wants, but rather that he can walk free from sin. That his life won't be hampered by wickedness or evil. So we see seeking God's word leads to being able to live a life free from sin and its consequences. And it's helpful to think about this in the context of our section. It will help us apply it better, remembering that the psalmist is dealing with attacks to his person and his character. Someone's insulting him. He could easily be tempted to sin, to get revenge, to do the same thing back, turn from God due to this suffering. And yet, due to his trust in the word of God, he would rather seek God's word. It should be our prayer that God would help us seek after his word when we face these types of trials. That rather than running from God, we would run to God and his word. So, so far we've seen because of the psalmist's trust in God's word, we saw first that he desires that God's word would be on his lips, no matter what he faces. We saw in verse 44 that he desires to obey it all the days of his life, no matter what he goes through. And then we see here, because of his trust in the word of God, he seeks after God's word, which led him to live a life apart from sin through this trial. Now we see, fourth, the psalmist's trust through this trial causes him to have courage in speaking the word. You look with me at verse 46. It says, I will also speak of your testimonies before kings and shall not be put to shame. So it's one thing to live the word of God, to strive to follow it and keep it. But I'll ask us, are we willing to speak it? Are we willing to discuss the Bi- what the Bible says with others, not just with Christians, but with non-Christians too? In our day and age where many have no respect or no trust in the Bible, where many would claim that it's just a man-made book and the commands are so outdated, they're not relevant to us, are we willing to speak of these things or do we cower away in fear? We see the psalmist declares that he's willing to speak of God's word even before kings, those who are in power, those who he might be most tempted to stay quiet before, maybe due to embarrassment or even fear that he'd be punished by these kings, the psalmist presents to us a boldness and a courage that he has in speaking God's word. His trust in the word of God, knowing it's reliable, it's true, it's certain, causes him to have a boldness, a courage, not embarrassed when it comes to owning and speaking the word of God before others. So the application for us, I'll ask us, do you have this boldness? Do you have this courage? Think about myself right here. I'm preaching to you all who I believe many, many of you have a love for God and his word. I know it's safe here. 
I know the word is accepted. I know it's appreciated. But what if I was asked to speak somewhere where I knew it wasn't accepted or appreciated? Where the people in that room believe things contrary to God's word? Would I be willing to teach the word of God? It's not only in teaching that this verse is talking about, but it's in our daily conversations. Are we willing to speak about what we have learned in God's word that day? Are we willing to give the perspective that comes from, from our Bibles? Are we willing to give the biblical take on a certain issue? Do we trust in God's word in such a way that we're willing to boldly talk about it and proclaim it? So we see from this fourth impact, his trust makes or what this trust makes, and that is that the psalmist shows how a trust in God's word leads him to have courage in proclaiming and simply speaking that word. And I'll ask us, will we do the same? Fifth, the psalmist's trust through this trial causes him to find pleasure in the word. If you look with me at verse 47, Psalm 119.47 says, for I, have fi- for I find my delight in your commandments, which I love. So remember, the psalmist is going through a struggle. He's going through a trial. Someone's attacking him with their words, seeking to tear him down. He says he has delight. He has pleasure. We would have expected rather him to be miserable, outraged, broken, not delighted, not filled with pleasure. But the key here is to see it's the word of God that brings him this delight and this pleasure, not his situation, not what he's going through. And notice the phrase at the end of verse 47. It says, which I love. It says that he has delight in the word of God. It says, which I love. And actually, if you glance down to verse 48, we see that same exact phrase repeated. Which I love. Speaking even further of this delight, this desire, he's saying he has a deep and a full affection for God's word. So the application for us, as someone attacks you, has said some hurtful things about you. Is your focus on that situation or on the Word? Are you reading the Word, delighting and finding pleasure in what it says, the comforts it brings and the commands it gives? Our natural instinct is to react, how I said, to be miserable, to be outraged, upset, broken, but to trust in God's Word, knowing He will do what He says He will do, that He can fulfill His promises, to bring us delight in our trials with others. Sick, the psalmist's trust through this trial causes him to long for the word. If you look at verse 48, our last verse, I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love. The phrase, I will lift up my hands, speaks of praying, it speaks of longing, it speaks of a yearning, and here, it's a longing for God's word. You might again think of this situation that the psalmist is going through, his pain, his hurt. You think about what he, we would expect him to long for, to ask for. His prayer might be, God, get me out of this. End this. And actually, look back at verse 41. That's what he asks for. He asks that God would show his steadfast love and his salvation. We see there is nothing wrong And the psalmist asking for God's help and deliverance, but we see that there's more to be asked. There's more to desire in our trials and struggles than them just ending. And that's what we might have have a longing to know and become better with the scriptures. 
that we would be formed and changed by them, that they would provide comfort and guidance in our struggles. So application, when you're being attacked, taunted, insulted, mocked, railed on, you only pray for deliverance. You only pray that God would ease the attacks. Or do you also pray that God would help you to know his word better, that he would teach you how to respond from his word, that he would give you a desire to read, to know, to follow his word through this trial. Is that your prayer? We see both here, a prayer for deliverance from the trial, but also a prayer to have and to know God's word through the trial. And then seventh and lastly, the psalmist's trust through this trial causes him to reflect and to talk over the word with himself. If you look again at verse 48, I will lift up my hands towards your commandments, which I love. And then it says, and I will meditate on your statutes. Psalmist closes by speaking of meditation, talking about God's word with himself. You usually think if you talk to yourself, it's a bit odd, it's weird, but that's the idea here with this word meditation, that you're talking or you're thinking over, you're reflecting, you're considering the word of God, you're pondering what does it mean, but it's not just in a speculative way, but rather you're thinking about what it means so you can put it into practice. Even you're thinking about what it means so that it brings comfort. You're repeating in your head as it brings to mind things about God and his character that might be comforting to you. Even as he did in verse 41, he brought to mind God's steadfast love that he promised, his salvation, his deliverance that he promised. He's setting his mind on the word of God through this trial. So application. Have you ever thought about God's word? Have you ever really thought about God's word, not just reciting a verse in your mind, but also in your mind thinking about it, thinking about its impact that it should have on your present circumstances, even the comfort that it can bring, or what it teaches you about God. That is what the psalmist does here. He trusts in God, God's word, and it leads him to think on it as he struggles and as he deals with a person seeking to hurt him and cause him pain. So will you think on the scripture as you deal with those attacking you? Often our mind is consumed thinking about the situation, thinking about the person, thinking about how we're feeling. But we see here our mind should be consumed with the word. So we come to the end of the section, and we see what the trusting in the word of God brings to one's life. The psalmist trusts and he relies on God's word. He relies on God's promises. He trusts that God would, what God says he will do, he will do. And it impacts how he relates to God's word. We saw a desire to speak the word of God, a desire to be faithful to God to the end. You see, he seeks after God's word in, and in return can live a life apart from sin through this trial. We saw a courage to speak God's word, a delight, a pleasure in God's word due to this trust. He saw a longing. He thinks and he fills his mind with, the, with thoughts on the word of God. All of this comes because he trusts in the word of God. He finds it reliable. He has confidence in what God has said. So we should be challenged. I think this morning, if we truly trust God's word, if we trust what is said in the scriptures about God and what he promises.
And further, we should be challenged to look to the word. When people attack us, when people insult us, when they mock us and seek to tear us down, we are to trust in God's word through these trials. Let's just close in a word of prayer. God, I just thank you for your word, and we thank you for all of Psalm 119 as it really reminds us of um, the place your word should have in our lives, how our lives should revolve around and center around you and your word, the things that you have written in it, things that you have taught us in it, things that you even use to comfort us as we think about your character, as it says in the word. And Lord, I just pray for anyone here that is dealing with people that are attacking them, people that are saying things that are just hurtful. Lord, I pray that you would comfort them, that you would really bring to mind your word, that you would um, guide them to really live out what is said here in Psalm 119, 41 through 48. God, I just pray that you would comfort this person, and even, Lord, I pray that you would just help us as a church to just seek to speak to one another, to deal with one another in a kind way, in a friendly way. Lord, help us um, to not taunt one another, to not insult one another. Lord, and if it does happen, or if it happens out in the world and in our other relationships, I pray that you would give us the strength to be able to trust in your word and to deal with it how the psalmist does. In your name I pray.